0: Hello, this is Wade Johnson and this podcast is entitled How to Give Effective Orders and Instructions. Giving orders is so basic that we almost tend to take it for granted. Our people know that they are to do work and that that work is directed toward the accomplishment of specific plans. They also know your job as the supervisor is to get work done and they know that means giving them orders. They recognize that you have the right and obligation to give orders. You should expect your people to carry out those orders. Delegating through order giving is a continuous activity. It involves such tasks as leading, guiding, regulating, explaining, informing, training, influencing, and ordering for the purpose of mission accomplishment. The leader tells or informs subordinates, the delegate, What has to be done? These instructions initiate action, amplifies or modifies previous instructions, or redirects the efforts of subordinates as required by the leader's view of changes in the situation. The key to effective directing lies in the careful supervision of the execution of the plan. By so doing, the manager can determine the extent of additional guidance necessary and can select the appropriate means of communication to achieve those desired results. There are a number of factors that affect the extent of direction necessary. The simplicity or complexity of the task, the size or complexity of the organization, the competence and level of experience of the workers. I should also say not just competence, but aptitude. Leadership that encourages followership. When I'm conducting a training session about giving orders, I give my participants the following challenge. I say, think back now and try to remember the last time someone gave you a direct order and how you felt about it. I ask specific participants to give me an example of the last time they can remember. Regardless of the answer, I ask them to tell me why they felt the way they did. After a few examples, I remind them that I had been giving them direct orders since they walked in the room. I told each one of them as they entered the room where to sit, to print their name on a name tent at the position where I told them to sit. I told them to fill out a registration. I told them to open their book and gave them instructions on how the program will progress. Then asked, did anyone here feel insulted or harassed? Why not? They usually respond by saying something like, well, you're the instructor. We expected you to give us direction. To that, I would say, exactly. Your direct reports know you are the boss and that they expect you to provide direction, and that means giving orders and instructions. You were here for a specific purpose, and that purpose required direction and leadership from me, your instructor. You expected guidance from me, and you would have been disappointed and frustrated if you did not receive that guidance. Your employees feel the same way. You know, you are in charge they want you to be in charge they want you to make sure their efforts are not wasted and that they can receive correct instruction and guidance in order to do a good job and protect their position and protect their position in the company and don't feel lousy about telling others what to do and how and when and where and necessary cooperation does not happen because the authority of the boss holds over subordinates but rather the boss's ability to influence subordinates to recognize and accept assignments. A significant influence on subordinates is the reputation and credibility of the boss. Some people enjoy a good reputation, but they work no harder than anyone else. Subordinates gladly follow a manager who has a good reputation. Peers and superiors allow their thinking to be influenced by their colleagues and good reputations. Before others will want to take orders from you, you have to be someone that others would be willing to take orders from. Those orders need to; those others need to believe that they can trust you to have their best interests at heart, and that you have the organizational clout and personal guts to be able to satisfy their needs and lead the unit to achieve worthwhile results. Orders, poorly given, can unsettle the best-laid plans. They make people angry. They kill morale. Even proper orders issued by someone with no credibility or having a reputation of being wishy-washy will have the same effect. Supervision means getting things done through others. If a person is going to be successful in this task, that person must be able to control and influence other people leadership that encourages followership. Here are some tips on being the kind of person that others will gladly take orders from. You may want to take out a pencil and paper and make some notes on this section. First, tell the truth. Be honest. Always give a straight answer. No matter how embarrassing it is, people must know that you will give them the truth. Remember, the truth only hurts when it has to. Don't bluff. When you don't know, don't try to bluff your way around it. The next time the situation comes up, you still won't know, so you need to find out. Number three, keep your promises. People need to know that your word is bond. If you say you'll do it, they must be able to expect it. Once you make a promise, you create a debt. You owe someone payment of that debt, and that is the satisfaction of that promise. Number four, be dependable. A genuine leader is marked by diligent faithfulness in the midst of a task. That faithfulness must be more than passive inclination. It must be demonstrated by being available and personally involved in meeting the needs of your people and your organization. Number five, be yourself. Be candid about yourself. Be a real person. Number six, stand up for your people. People need to know that you will back them. When they are sure of this, they will extend themselves. They will assume more responsibility. So don't let anyone badmouth your people either. Act impeccably. Perform each function as though it were important. And maintain an attitude of excellence. How do we do that? Well, pull in your horns. Don't come on like a big shot and constantly test your authority to make sure you still have it. Next, ignore the horns of others. Don't be so easily offended. Don't let the rudeness, discourtesy, or inconsideration of others cause you to lose your cool. Next, exercise authority properly. Never flaunt your authority. Don't push buttons just to watch people jump. Don't rock the boat. Move smoothly without disturbing the natural order. Supervisors are already highly visible. You already have a certain amount of influence. You don't have to rock the boat to get things done. Take your time. Use the system. Be persistent. Number nine, avoid shunt quotes. They tell me, they say, I hear, everyone says. See? People who use shunt quotes create fictitious characters to support their opinion. If you don't know who they are or who everyone is, find out. Number 10, do not court others. This is an important one, I think. You are the ultimate judge of your own worth. You don't need to run an ongoing popularity poll to determine where you stand in the eyes of your associates. Don't be afraid of the disapproval of others. Express compliments when you can, but never put forth undue flattery. No one deserves a lot, and undeserved flattery just cheapens you. Self-reliant manager avoids being influenced by others. There are people who sit on the sidelines of life shouting words of criticism and second-guess the people who have the fortitude to steadfastly follow their own plans, their own convictions, to a successful conclusion. Number 11, control your emotions. Hey, people don't make you act in a particular way. You choose to behave the way you do Other's behavior toward you or anything else should should cause you to should not cause you to lose control, your emotional control. Because you know we're only as big as what makes us mad. Be mysterious. Never reveal all of your innermost thoughts and anxieties to others. Avoid the self-indulgent habit of talking about yourself. Some things in your life and your thoughts is nobody's business. Mysterious people are interesting people, but once a person is squeezed dry like a used grapefruit, they are of no more interest. And how that's love many, trust few. To your friends, tell no secrets to. For if your friend becomes your foe, then your secrets everyone will know. So now, where does the need for orders come from? Well, company policy. Uniform philosophies that guide behavior and standards. The manager must enforce these, but employees need to be aware of them. Procedures and protocols. These are established organizational methods. They must conform to company policies. They establish how things are done. They are not necessarily the way, but a way. The manager must use discretion in determining how procedures and practices are to be followed. This will result in issuing orders and instructions then there's direction or directives special orders usually of limited duration directing a specific action then there's assignments usually issued by direct supervisors to direct subordinates dictated by current situations and circumstances others tell the worker what to do instructions tell the worker how to do it an order to a qualified worker often need not be accompanied by instructions. Instructions may not always be followed by a direct order, but simply a release. Job descriptions, and a form of order that tell employees what their responsibilities and duties are and what authorities they have in carrying out those duties. And then there's goals and objectives, determining what is to be accomplished within a predetermined time period. Now, here's probably the most significant factor in this podcast, the six-step order giving process. Number one, plan. Two, explain, delegate, take the actions to issue the order. Check for understanding, release, follow-up, and evaluate. Well, let's take a look at planning. Make sure the need for the order exists. We issue orders for four reasons. To start some action. To stop some action. To correct a mistake or solve a problem. To speed up some action or to slow down some action. And next, know the results you want. And then delegate to the right person. Don't issue an order that cannot be obeyed or enforced. And then explain. Delegate to take the action to issue the order. Keep in mind the results you want. See, more often than not, you can issue an order by simply stating the results you want. I witnessed a situation on a Navy base some years ago. A first-class gunner's mate was watching three junior enlisted men dig a, stit, a ditch. After a few minutes, he said, well, uh, okay, dig here six feet by six feet by six feet. And then he went to his office. So the men called him when they had completed the task, and the gunner's mate looked into the hole and ordered order to cover it up and dig another one. The same way. He told them to call him when they were done. Again, he <laughs> He looked into the hole and told them to dig another one, and told them where. After playing this scenario about five more times, it was getting late in the afternoon, and one of the junior men asked the supervisor, why were they digging holes in the front yard of this office building? The supervisor replied that a water line had burst during the cold night, and that the offices would be without water until it was fixed. Your job was to find that broken main so the plumbers could come out and fix it. Why didn't you say so? Why didn't you tell us what you wanted, Gunner? We hit that water main digging the first hole. We thought we broke it. So we fixed it and covered it up so you wouldn't notice. <laughs> you can imagine how he felt. Issue positive orders that are easy to understand. Tell the employee what you want. Don't them, don't expect them to read your mind. We can do this in a number of ways. One, we can announce or inform. For instance, we'll be changing over at 3 p.m. Or ask, are you going to be able to get this done by 3 o'clock? What are you planning to do with these? You can suggest. The changeover will be easier if you clear this space before you start. You can tell or command. Clean up this area before you leave, Frank. A better way is... Clean up this area before you leave, Frank. Instruct. Don't forget to count the items when you break open the box to inspect them. When you add the paper, keep the ends tight against the flange. Use your own language and your own style. Remember to include in your order why. Why? The reason the situation must be done. Who? The person taking the action. What? The specific action that must be taken. When? the time frame and when the action should be taken, or the deadline for its completion, and where. Where is the action going to take place, and how? How is the action going to be taken? I'm going to share with you now a couple common errors in order giving. No doubt you've seen these many times. I know I have. First of all, using an offhand manner, people must know you mean business. Assuming the employee understands, it may be clear to you, but not clear to them. And giving too many orders at once, one assignment at a time, or write them down. Another error is issuing conflicting orders, orders that have the different results. Next one is choosing only the willing worker. You know, you've seen this before. Disperse the work. Hey, if it's it's John's time, John does it, whether John wants to or not. Playing the big shot. I've seen this before. Okay, I'm going to let you do this, and then I'm going to... Or, I'm going to get you to do this. But worse than that is the next one, which I call obsequiousness. Thinking you can soften an order, usually only weakens an order, by using phrases such as, Would you do me a favor? And uh, employees are being paid. It's not a favor to the boss. If, If you don't mind, would you... Unless it's outside their job description, they must do what you order. Uh, if you don't care, would you, or when you get a chance at, at, at your convenience, and here's one, ASAP, huh, that has no real meaning anymore. Next one is blaming the need for the order on somebody else. Hey, uh, the boss wants us to, or they want us to, The next one is exaggerate a situation just to justify the need for the order. Don't exaggerate. Tell the truth. If you have a reputation for crisis behavior or exaggeration, no one will take you seriously. And do not try to give too much information at one time. Fred, this is Bert. We have one skid over here with 50 backguards on it. I have three more hours on the shift and we're using 30 backguards an hour. If you don't get another skid over here in an hour, we're going to be out. What can you do to help? Next, check for understanding. Does the delegate understand the action required? Is the delegate prepared to take that action? Does the the delegate trust your information? Here are some methods for finding out. Ask the delegate how they will take the action. Fred, can you get 60 backups over here in an hour? Sarah, how will you prepare the manifest for the pickup? Or, how do you plan on tackling that job, John? Or we can observe the expression to see if they seem to know. And we can look for nonverbal signs that will indicate the level of understanding. You know, facial expressions, body posture, a look of understanding in their eyes. Ask the delegate specific questions that require an explanation. Do you know why this part must go on last? Ask the delegate why the situation requires their attention. And then release. Let them go do it. In most cases, it doesn't take much. The person knows what to do, and they know when. But, and this is important, we have to follow up. Give a reasonable time, then go inspect the situation to make sure it's being done, or that it was done. Remember this, you get what you inspect, not what you expect. During World War One, General John J. Pershing was inspecting a project that wasn't going too well, even though the officer in charge had a good plan. The general asked the lieutenant how much pay he received each month. And the lieutenant says, $141.67, sir, he said. Well, the general said, remember this. You got you get a $1.67 for making the plan and issuing the orders to carry it out. You get $140 for seeing that it is carried out. And next, evaluate. If there were problems, determine what those problems were and why. Determine what you do the next time. If there are problems that pose difficulty in establishing the task, quality or quantity or performance problems, review them with the delegate and provide training or correction as needed. Okay, here are some characteristics of a good order. The first is clarity, easily understood. Completeness. Contains all information and instructions necessary to execute the operation. Brevity. Unnecessary detail needs to be avoided. Recognition of the delegate's prerogatives. Allows the delegate to exercise a certain amount of initiative or judgment. The supervisor tells the delegate what, not how. Tells the the delegate the results expected. And use an affirmative form. Tell what is to occur, what is not what is not to occur. And next, avoidance of qualified directives. Tell what is to happen. Avoid phrases such as try to do this. If possible, do that. See if you can. And use an authoritative expression. Tell in direct, unmistakable terms exactly what is required of them. And then, timeliness. Timeliness allows the adequate planning and preparation as well as time to execute. Here's some points to remember. You can motivate people to do their best when they know exactly what their jobs are and they know exactly what you want them to do. People will respond quickly to orders that are concise, clear, positive, and easy to understand. When you keep your points simple to the point you can emphasize results, not methods. And that is something I want you to keep in mind. Usually, all it takes is results, not methods. Let them use their own methods. If they know how to do their job, they'll do just well. When people know exactly what you want and precisely what their jobs are, you can decentralize responsibility, empower your people with authority, and supervise more effectively. When your people are well-trained, you can emphasize results not methods. Simple plans and simple orders are two of the cornerstones of success in management. This is Wade Johnson. Good day.